If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. It is Mother's Day week, so if you haven't picked mom up something yet, guys, no worries. Alumni Hall has you covered. You can, of course, visit them in-store inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center, but if you're not local to Athens, no problem. You can just shop online at alumnihall.com, and guys, no worries. They will ship it out to you and get it to you in plenty of time to put a smile on your mom's face for Mother's Day. In fact, I just ordered some stuff for them on Thursday. Normally, I go in store, but I saw a few things that I wanted to pick up Thursday night, just kind of looking through their site. had a really busy weekend ahead of me, and I knew I would not be able to get over there this weekend, and I didn't want to miss out on the new stuff that was hitting the shelves. The Nike Golf stuff goes really fast, guys, and whenever I see it online, if I see it in store, I got to nab it real quick, or it's going to be gone. So I went ahead and just placed that order online. It was late Thursday night, actually. And then, boom, woke up Saturday morning, went out for my my Saturday morning run. And as soon as I opened the door, there it was, my box sitting there waiting on me. And, of course, it was wrapped up with with the special finishing touches that only Alumni Hall does. So buy something for mom this Mother's Day. Or who knows, just buy something for yourself. Treat yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. But whoever you are buying for, when you're in the market for some Georgia gear, Alumni Hall is the go-to spot because it is where the Bulldogs shop. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler, and back with me again after taking last week off is my co-host, Curtis. And by popular demand, we are going to be recapping this weekend's NFL draft on today's episode, at least as it relates to the Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously, all eyes in the sporting world were on the NFL draft in Kansas City this year, where our dogs once again won the NFL draft with three first-round picks and ten overall selections. Our three first-round draft picks tied with Alabama and Ohio State for the most first-round picks in this year's draft. Go figure. Our 10 draft picks overall were once again the most from any team in the country. We tied with Alabama this year, but we were there at the top. And that, of course, followed on the heels of the 15 draft picks that we had in 2022. So our 25 draft picks over the last two drafts combined are the most in a two-draft span in NFL history. And our 34 draft picks over the past three NFL drafts are the most in a three-draft span in NFL history. So Curtis, what I'm saying, man, is them dogs as hell. So 
What is your big takeaway, Curtis? When you hear me rattle off those numbers, number after number, record after record, what is your big takeaway from that? What stands out to me the most is how we're able to sustain all of this. Um, you hear these numbers, and you, especially you go back to the last three classes, and yet it continues. And I think that's what's most impressive um, and kind of shows you the trajectory that the Georgia football program is on when you're able to see that we are able to continue to play at such a high level, even after losing all these draft picks. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think when you look at all those numbers and like they just keep coming, man, number after number, record after record, it's crazy. And it's not as though we hadn't been putting guys in the draft prior to Kirby Smart. We had, you know, Mark Ray had a number of high draft picks, but certainly not at this rate, like not even anywhere close to it. I mean, even Nick Saban, Curtis, and you've seen those numbers his first seven years, not even close to what Kirby Smart has been able to put into the draft over the course of his, his first seven years. So for me, I think my biggest takeaway, it's a couple of things. First off, recruiting and development, Curtis. Those are the two things this program has been built on. Now, I know Kirby has his pillars, toughness, composure, resiliency, all those things. Of course, our program is built on that too. When it comes down to it, how, we, how have we been able to elevate our program? More than anything, I think it comes down to two things. Obviously, recruiting, you have to have the players. I've said that time and time again over the years on this podcast. The number one criteria for winning at a high level, for winning national titles, is having the talent. If you don't have the talent, you've got no chance. Now, the talent alone is not enough because there are a lot of talented teams out there like <clears throat> Texas A&M that don't do much with that talent. So it's not just the talent, but if you don't have that talent, you cannot win. It is a prereq. Right? It's a prerequisite. 100% is. But you also have to develop that talent. And we've taken guys like Jordan Davis. We've taken guys like Eric Stokes. And we've put these guys who are three stars, two stars, and we put them into the NFL draft curve. So we've recruited high-level guys, the five-star guys. We've recruited them. We've developed them, put them in the first round. Some of those lower-rated guys, we've also recruited them, developed them. Well, first of all, identified them in, in recruiting, developed them, and also put them into the first round of the NFL draft. And, uh, I mean, Curtis, that's why I, I, I'm – so excited about the trajectory of this program. Even though we've won these past two national titles back to back, it's crazy to say, Curtis, I still very, very much believe that we are at the front end of this run. Like, are you with me on that? Or am I just like, just high on the success we've had over the weekend? No, I'm with you. I think when you look at everything, I think you're at the stages of, well, it's just getting started. Yes, we've won. And now we're able to sustain it, but it seems to just continue. Um, to keep building and building to show the sustainability, which allows it to just be in the early stages or maybe not early stages, but still at, at the beginning. Yeah. And that's like Kirby Smart himself. So I can't remember if it was after the first national title or last year's national title. When you keep one national titles, I guess they somewhat kind of bleed together there. But after one of these national titles, the last two years, he said point blank in the, in the post-game press conference, like Georgia is built to sustain. And this is what he's talking about, guys. This is why we are not going anywhere. This is why I say that this is just the front end. This is not me just trying to sound arrogant. I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I'm not trying to like pump my chest here. I'm just trying to speak matter-of-factly. I truly believe that we are the front end. If you want to call it a dynasty, call it a dynasty. I think you have to win a couple more if you want to call it a dynasty. But I think it will ultimately end up being a dynasty. I think we're at the front end of this run because Kirby Smart's young, Curtis, 47 years old. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. And if he doesn't go anywhere anytime soon, why are we going anywhere? Because recruiting is never going to drop off under Kirby Smart. Development's never going to drop off because he demands it. And those are the two things that that we've seen with these with the success in the NFL draft that that have been on display year after year. We are absolutely going to continuously 
be at the forefront of the national title conversation year in, year out, especially when we go to the 12-team playoff curse. I mean, it's hard to imagine right now. I mean, anything can happen in any given year, I guess, but it's hard to imagine that we won't be um, an annual participant in the in the Cosmo playoff when it goes to 12 teams. They're certainly very, very close to it. So that's what I take away from the NFL draft success is that we aren't going anywhere. The recruiting, the development, as long as Kirby Smart's here, it's going to continue to be this way. And uh, that has me very, very excited for the future, man. No doubt about it. But all right, Curtis, let's get to the actual picks in this 2023 draft. If you guys follow the podcast on Twitter, if you don't, make sure to do that. It's at glory underscore UGA. Well, if you follow us, you already well know that I am um, officially a Philadelphia Eagles fan now. I was pulling for them this postseason because, I mean, I wanted them to win the Super Bowl because of Jordan and Nicobe. Although I know they weren't major players this year. They dealt with some injury. I know Jordan dealt with, dealt with an injury for a little while. They weren't starters or anything. But, hey, they're on the team, and I wanted the Eagles to win. But now, after drafting both Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the first round and then following it up with Keely Ringo in the fourth round and then following that up by trading for DeAndre Swift, it's a done deal, man. Like I'm all in on the Philadelphia Eagles. And real quickly here, Curtis, I know there's some people out there calling me a fair, a fair weather fan. I've seen it on social media this weekend. That's fine. I get that. You have the right to call me a fair weather fan, but let me just put this out there. First off, I'm not a passionate, passionate NFL fan. I think I've made that clear over the years in this podcast. I'm a college guy. I watch NFL cause it's football, but I don't really have like a ton of passion when it comes to NFL. Like I root for the Falcons, but I mean, I, I, it doesn't really bother me if they lose. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm much more of a Braves fan, the Falcons. I mean, I, I hope they win, but if they don't like, I don't lose a, a, a wink of sleep over that. And really when I say I'm, I'm pulling for the Eagles, it's not so much rooting for the Eagles themselves. In fact, I really don't like Philadelphia Eagle fans, but I'm rooting for our guys to have success. Like that's what it comes down to. Like my rooting interest in the NFL are based on who has Georgia players. Like that's really what it comes down to for me. And uh, I'm not one of those guys who just drops our players once they leave Georgia. Cause I have one of my buddies, one of my good friends is big Falcons fan. Like once our guys leave Georgia, he doesn't care about them anymore. And I'm, I just don't understand that mindset. I just can't, I can't wrap my, my head around it. We've had many debates over that. I just, I just, I can't do it. So I'm all about the Georgia guys and the teams that have Georgia guys. That's who I'm rooting for. But anyway, Curtis, Jalen Carter drops out of the top five. The Eagles trade up to grab him at number nine, and then they save the day when I thought Nolan Smith there got kind of you and I were texting back and forth. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, is Nolan going to get drafted? I thought he might drop or get drafted in the first round. I thought he might drop out of the first round, but they end up drafting him number 30 overall. So, Kurt, I think both of those, getting Jalen Carter at number nine and Nolan at number 30, I think both of them were incredible value picks for the Eagles. And I, I'm not the only person saying that. I think the entire sporting world is saying that. But which of those two picks, Curtis? I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Was the bigger value pick for the Eagles? I'm going to go with um, Jalen Carter. And I think that the reason is just his versatility, Um, you know, in the run game, in the pass game, everything about him. And the fact that realistically, you know, at times he was even looked at as being like a top pick um, before you knew how everything was going to shake out. But realistically, most people had him as one of the best talents in the entire draft and for him to even drop to number nine is a huge value to where the Eagles also didn't have to give up too much to get to him. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. I love, I love Nolan Smith. In fact, Nolan Smith is like, you know, after this season, the way he handled the injury and stayed with the team, instead of going to prepare for the NFL draft, which I think 90 plus percent of players out there would have. I I love Nolan Smith, always have. He's just a unique dude, that personality. He's a, he's a top five 
Kirby Smart era Georgia player for me. I mean, I, I would say like Nick Chubb. I guess that's the front end of Kirby Smart. It's like Nick Chubb, Jordan Davis. I love Jordan, that big outsized personality. Uh, Nolan. Um, you guys know I was I was a president of Jake Fromm fan club, so I got to put that put that out there. But certainly, you know, you can go you can go back to the Rick years, like DJ Shockley. I was a big Aaron Murray guy. I mean, even like if you go back to the last two two coaches, let's say Rick and Kirby. I mean, Nolan's probably in the top five of of that last 20 years of Georgia football for me. So love the guy. Absolutely do. This is not a shot at him, but I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Curtis. It's got to be Jalen Carter here because as you said, I, I still believe Jalen Carter, you make a very strong argument. We'll see how it plays out, but, but I think you can make at the very least make a very strong argument for him being the most talented player in this NFL draft, like the best overall player. I think you can make a very strong argument when like he wants to play and he wants to be good. Like, I truly believe when Jalen Carter does not want to be stopped, I'm not sure Jalen Carter can actually be stopped. At least in college, he could not. NFL, we'll see. So when you can get a guy that I believe was the best player in the draft that had you know some off-the-field issues and showed up at pro day, a little out of shape, and you can get him at number nine, and you can pair him with former teammates, one of those which was his mentor when he got to Georgia and Jordan Davis, who can keep this guy in line and keep him motivated. I, I can imagine there being a greater value pick in the entire draft than getting Jalen Carter at number nine. I think that's just an incredible pick. And I, and I think Nolan at number 30, I mean, Nolan, there were, there were people talking about Nolan being like potentially a top 10 pick, like where the Falcons going to take him or B. John Robinson, and he drops all the way to 30. I did not think Nolan was going to be a top 10 pick. I, you know, I, I was hoping the Falcons would take him because, hey, I, I love Nolan Smith. I I actually almost bet on Nolan to not be – I think it was like 10 and a half. Uh, I was in, bet on him over 10 and a half, like outside the, the top 10. But I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't root for Nolan to – to, to drop like that but I mean it's a great value pick but um yeah Nolan Curtis like he has all the tools man but the production at least in terms of rushing the passer which I think is what he's probably gonna be asked to do for Philadelphia maybe we'll try to play him off the ball I think we'll probably probably ask him to be more of a pass rusher the production just wasn't there in that role at the college level now I do think he will be asked to do different things in a different way in a different scheme and so hopefully for him the his physical tools because this guy is a 4 4 40 yard dash dude. Hopefully that can translate more to the NFL and become more of a, a dominant pass rusher, which I think he can be. But it's hard to, to say that he's a better value than Jalen Carter, who I think is the, the best player in this draft. So, ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Anyway, Curtis, I'm pulling for the Eagles now, yes. But we're also going to have to add the Pittsburgh Steelers to the list after they selected Darnell Washington in the third round after picking up George Pickens last year. So, Kurt, now, now my list of teams I'm rooting for, Eagles, Rams. We'll get to Stetson Bennett here in a minute. Still love Matthew Stafford. Steelers. I did pull for the Browns with, with Nick Chubb until they tra- until they signed Deshaun Watson. Now I can't in good conscience root for them. Um, so I just pull for Nick to have a huge game every single game and then, and then for the Browns to lose is kind of how, how I operate there. But the Steelers are certainly on that list of NFL teams that Tyler roots for. But Kurt, in terms of Darnell Washington, what type of player do you project Darnell to be in the league? Like, can he be more of a pass catching threat than, he, than what we saw at Georgia? 
I think he can. Um, you know, it really, t- I mean, you got to think it was tough trying to draw him up as a pass catching threat realistically in the fact of, I mean, Brock Bauer, especially year two and three of Darnell is just Brock was better. Um, so if they were going to, you know, do more to design plays to get someone open, it was going to go to Brock because he had, you know, just the home run threats. Um, but it doesn't mean that Darnell can't do it in the league, which I still think he will be a really strong weapon. Um, you know, he's not going to be one of these George Kittles or um, one of those types of weapons, but I still Kyle think it's not that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I think he's going to be closer to a more balanced traditional tight end who is still a threat in the pass game. I'm still not sure. I believe that Darnell will ever be a dynamic pass catcher, but I think he can be very effective in that role with the size speed combination. He's very athletic, man. Like you just go back and watch some of his highlights and they were showing it when he got picked. It's like, you know, Man, Darnell was like a really good athlete in that frame. But you're right. Like when you when you add Brock Bowers to the equation, like he's just so dynamic with the ball in his hands. As a pass catcher, you just can't not throw him the football. So it's just one of those things. But Darnell is a guy that I think can be more than adequate as a pass catcher. And we know what he can give us in the run game. I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a really good fit for him because you have Pat Fryermuth there, who is more of that, you know, um, a hybrid tight tight end that, that's really kind of taken over the NFL the past five, six, seven years. And so I think Darnell can be a really good compliment to him, be more of that inline blocker, but also create some matchup problems. I think you might see the Steelers go to, to a lot of a 12 personnel. We'll see how that fares there. But when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers curves, I mean, I know with Ben Roth, Roth, Roethlisberger, some years they would throw the ball over the field. But you think like the old school Pittsburgh Steelers, what do you think, Curtis? Um. Do I think he is someone that can do it like the old school Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, yeah. Do you think like, because when you think about it, you think physicality, right? You think physical grittiness. All yeah, of but they would also thing. have those tight ends that would just make those big plays when you needed them. You know, it wasn't yeah. a dynamic pass catcher as much as a reliable pass catcher. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I'm not sure what direction the Steelers are going to go offensively, but with Kenny Pickett, I'm, not, I'm still, not, I don't know. I don't know if I believe Kenny Pickett will ever be like a really good high-level NFL quarterback, but you got Najee Harris back there. And in some ways you wonder if the Steelers are trying to go back to that old school, physical, gritty ground and pound attack that kind of characterized the Steelers for a while, like with Jerome Bettis all those years, right? And Le'Veon Bell when he was in his prime. And I, I think there's a chance they can do that with Najee Harris. I just, again, I, I think that they might have to do that out of necessity because I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't know if I really believe that again, Kenny Pickett is a, is a guy that can really beat you with his arm consistently. So I think they might do that. I think Darnell's a great fit in that regard. I really, really do. Um, all right, Curtis, let's keep moving along here. But it wasn't until the top of the fourth round after Darnell was picked that we heard another Bulldogs name called as the Eagles once again dip back into that Georgia bag to pick cornerback Keely Ringo. Curtis, this is a guy that for most of the 2022 season, People were including the first round of mock drafts, man. Like most mock drafts, you look at the, going back to the end of the 2022 draft all the way through most of this season, Keely Ringo was in most of those mock drafts in the first round. But not only does Keely fall out of the first, he falls all the way to the fourth round. Yikes. Did a bunch of teams miss on Keely Curtis or did they get it right? I think they got it right. Keely has to show some more consistency. Um in just his his coverage skills, more fluidity to show that he's a corner and not a safety long term. Yeah, I think that it was a dangerous to try to use that pick when you didn't know his true position. 
I do think there's a segment of the Georgia fan base who has an over, overly favorable view of Keeley based off of the pick six to win the national the chip six, right? Um, yeah. Which, hey, I, I get it, man. Like, hey, I, now I don't want to say he delivers national titles. I think sometimes people forget we were up by eight points. Now, could Alabama have come down there and tied the game? I guess, sure, maybe, possibly. I mean, I was in the stands there, and I kind of thought the game was over. But it, regardless, you know, I think people do kind of look at him a little bit more favorably based off that and have a hard time criticizing him or seeing him as maybe a guy that's not really a first-round draft pick. But, Curtis, like, honestly, man, this is not remotely surprising. Now, I will say – I shouldn't say that. I think it's – I'm surprised they dropped to the fourth. I'm certainly not surprised it wasn't a first-round draft pick. I mean, all year long, Curtis, you and I were sitting here almost every single week talking about Keely Ringo like, oh, my God, like, dude, just make a play on the ball. His ball skills are non-existent. His awareness, more than anything, absolutely non-existent. And I don't know – you can coach up ball skills to a degree. The awareness aspect of Curtis, do you think that's something that can be coached up in a player? Is that more of something that's innate? I think it can be coached up. Look at Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I, you, that's a really good one because Campbell, his freshman year, was like, dude, like, oh, come on, turn around. You're there. You're there. Consistently make the play. But Keeley, the thing about Keeley is as a, as a third-year dude, he looked like Tyson Campbell did like week three of his freshman year. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, know, like, that's, yeah, that's fair. And that's why I just don't – I think that teams weren't willing to really take a, a, a um, flyer on him as a cornerback that early because of those problems. Yeah, and I think the awareness was absolutely an issue, ball skills. Here's another issue, Curtis, that I, I – you know, we brought up a couple of times last season. Keeley's hips aren't great, man. No, they are. He's not good. And I'm not sure to say he's not good. He's not great coming in and out of breaks. And that's tough in the NFL. He's got incredible straight line speed, as you saw at the NFL. He, he ran a sub 4-4, four, four, right, at the, at the combine? I, I believe so, yeah. Um, yeah, if I remember correctly, it was 4-3 something. And we've always known that. Like, that's when he was coming out of high school, that's one of the reasons I was so high on him. It was like, this dude has speed. And that's what we were trying to get in our backfields more, or in our defensive backfield, is more speed. So I, I always felt he had that, and he backed that up at the NFL combine. But it's the... It's the short area stuff, the changing directions, the hip movement, the things that require significant hip movement that I think is where he falls short. And NFL scouts, they go through this stuff with a fine-tooth comb, and they see these things. So I was not surprised he fell the first round. I'm honestly not surprised he fell the second round. I thought maybe third round would be his Yeah, I think that's where I was surprised is falling to the fourth. I thought the third was probably the best place for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I felt like third was probably the most likely spot for him. I just, you know, I know it was high. And it was the third pick in the fourth round, I think. So, you know, you're splitting hairs there. I just didn't think he was going to drop all the way to the fourth. But I, I'm i not outraged by it. I mean, I've seen some Georgia fans say, oh, my God, all these teams are going to, they're going to regret not picking Keeley earlier. I'm like, I hope so. I hope you're right. I really do. I'm, I'm rooting for Keeley. I really hope you're right. I hope he gets it together. I hope that he improves that awareness and he improves his ball skills and he works on the hip fluidity. I really, really do. I just don't know at this stage in his career. I mean, because the NFL is not really a developmental league, Curtis. I mean, that's what college is. I mean, there's yeah. some guys that can develop. It's not really what they do so much. So I just don't know. If he hasn't developed yet, like with the coaching he got at Georgia, I don't know. I don't know, man. So I, I don't I don't think teams got it wrong on Keeley. I think that's about right. Maybe a little lower than I anticipated, but I think it's about right. But so, Curtis, Darnell Washington was a guy that some people were also talking about potentially ending up late in the first round, early in the second round. He drops all the way to the third round. Keeley drops the fourth round. Should those guys have come back for another year in Athens? Keeley, I I question how much it's going to help him um, unless he was to potentially go through a position change. 
Um, Darnell, I it you think Keely could be better as safety? I do. Yes, I mean, percent agree. Yeah. Um, it, it, keeping everything in front of him, not requiring him to turn his hips or that quickly, at least turning. And he's his got hips. the frame. He's got the frame. I mean, that guy reminds me of Jamal Adams. Um, is someone who I could see him playing like that size and speed and yeah. everything. Um, and Darnell, I just don't see it. Um, and, and the real reason is that is a lot like a, what a lot of what you're hearing had to do with health issues of why he dropped as far as he did. I don't think he was ever a first round pick. Um, but I saw he had the foot injury and for a guy that big. Yeah. And and then apparently there's something with the knee. I can't remember who it was. It may have been the lions who took someone that was like the fifth rated tight end out of Iowa or something. Um, I think that's more so where you would have seen Darnell go. Um, so I think that, and that's why I don't know another, you know, sometimes with those issues, it doesn't matter when you come out, they're still gonna, you know, it's still, I, I don't think Darnell would have benefited himself by coming back. Because of the, as you mentioned, there were the injuries. Also, um, there's that dude, as we mentioned earlier, named Brock Bowers, who's still on the team, and yeah. he's not going to get any more looks. Like Brock is still going to be the feature part of our offense. Darnell will get about the same number of looks as he did last year. So was he going to was he going to demonstrably improve his draft materially? His, materially improve his draft status? No, right? Yeah. Because that's the only reason you would come back. I mean, look, I know he'd love to win another national title, but that's not going to entice him to come back when you make the money. So like, if, if you're not going to improve your draft stock, why come back and waste another year of potential earning? Because, like, yeah, you can get some NIL money, but it's not the same as an NFL contract. I mean, Darnell's not coming close to making seven figures in NIL. He's just, he just wasn't. Keeley, though, I, I, I don't – I don't know. I do think that actually if Keely came back another year, I think he could have benefited from it. I really do. I think he could have benefited, but I think that they would have had to actually do the position change for it to truly benefit him. Yeah. Maybe you're right, Curtis. You know, in three years in the program, if you really haven't materially improved your your ball skills and your awareness, are you really going to do it in one more year? Maybe now, probably that's, not. That's right? the thing. Those are the certain things that why now what's going to change. Um, where if you, you know, especially with Chris Smith going out, he could have stepped into that safety position, allowed Bullard to stay there. It would have been a great um, chance for that. But at cornerback, I don't know what else he's going to develop. Yeah, that, that would be, that would have been really interesting, Curtis. So Chris Smith moving on, would we have maybe looked at Keeley as safety as ahead of Javon Bullard? We'll never know. We'll never know. But that would, that's certainly an interesting, intriguing thing to think about. Yeah, I, I think Keeley probably should just left. Um, because I, I really don't think him coming back would have improved his draft like that much. Maybe the, the the cornerback draft class won't be as strong next year. Maybe, but I mean, what you move up to the late third round, like is that really that much of a difference? Probably not. And if you come back, I know I've seen so many people say, "Oh, he should have come back. He should come back." Well, I mean, you, you got to think about this. How much money is he making nil wise? A, a decent amount, but he's not making big time money. He's not making Stetson Bennett type nil nil money. He's not making Brock Bowers type nil money. He's just not. And so another year coming back to college is a is a wasted year of earning potential right you're delaying that earning potential another year so i i think it was probably the right move for him i think if one of those two if you're asking about like which one of those two should have come back i mean keely i think would have had a better chance of improving his the most, a little bit yeah keely was the one that could have benefited the most um from it yeah if someone yeah. was yeah i agree i just i don't think either one of them would really have enhanced their draft stock all that much i really don't all right curtis We've got to talk about Stetson Bennett next. I kind of delayed this a little bit here. Um, you came around on Stetson, right? Is that fair to say? As, as a season Yeah, progressed? I mean, I was never like a per se hater as much as I was just like, these are the things that need to be fixed. And then, yeah. boom, he fixes all these things. And it's like, okay, um, not, I'm not a quarterback guru, but there were certain things that you saw that had to be fixed. And then when they get fixed, uh, his game went to a whole nother level. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know, man. I'm just giving you a hard time. Sometimes our, our listeners on social media are like, oh, every time Stetson does something well, it's like, oh, man, what does Curtis think now? I'm like, he's happy. He likes it. He's having a good time. He wants Stetson yeah, to do well. Like, I, w- I was never just like some pure hater. I mean, I was always honest with what I thought needed to be fixed. Yeah, I know. I know, man. I Trust me. I know. You and I have had so many conversations off the air about that. It's just funny because you know, our listeners don't get to talk to you one-on-one like that. So that, you know, you, you kind of had this, you, I guess you developed this reputation as the, the Stetson hater on the podcast, which I mean, you're right. You were just kind of trying to be objective going back to even like 2020, because 2020, like, he did some good things, but he wasn't what he was, you know, last year. He certainly improved. So there's that. But Curtis, you know, I, I did spend all last offseason fighting with people. And I wasn't the only person. There were, there were a few of us out there swinging swords on social media, but I was fighting with people on Twitter about Stetson's ability and his draft prospects. I was convinced last offseason that Stetson was going to get drafted. I, I really was. But it was one of those things as the offseason wore on, as we got into the summer, I was like, man, like everyone else thinks I'm crazy. Am I crazy? Like, is he is he really going to get drafted? I think he is. I see a guy that's going to play in the NFL. Maybe it's a backup long term, but I think a guy, this guy that's going to get drafted. But am I crazy? Because no one else agrees with me here. And then week one happened against Oregon. And I came on here that Sunday and said, done deal. Like he's absolutely 100% getting drafted. I was resolute in that opinion. But Chris, I'm not even sure that I saw fourth round happening, man. I was thinking like... I, I never saw fourth round. I'm going to be honest, and that's not a, yeah. a, 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 an indictment on him. I mean, the guy played great. I mean, he was in a, a Heisman finalist, um, but it still doesn't he matter. He earned everything that. he got, man. He earned yeah, every single I mean, thing. He has. Um, I guess you also have to take into account... I know Bryce Young is... I mean, in my opinion, Bryce Young is better, yes. Um, and he's. I think he's smaller. I can't remember the measurements now, but I don't Bryce believe is smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say, you know, I think that maybe some of it is being changed a little where maybe if there wasn't a Bryce Young in this draft and people are still sticking to the Anthony Richardson type, you know, the bigger body that can take a beating, um, which maybe have, has helped Stetson to a degree. What do you think Stetson's, like, what do you expect of Stetson in the NFL? Like, what, what type of career do you expect him to have? Is he going to be a career backup like so many people want to want to suggest he's going to be? Or does he have a chance to do something more than that? I mean, you can never count the kid out and you can never count anyone out because crazy things happen. Look at Brock Purdy. Um, but to me, I, his future to me is more of what I see in Taylor Heineke. Okay, interesting. Taylor Heineke. All right. I Okay, I, I think the odds are that he – like, if you had to place a bet on it, I mean – the odds are he won't be a long-term star in the NFL. But as you said, Curtis, I I will never count the guy out, ever, ever. So I will absolutely not sit here and say that Seth Bennett cannot be an NFL starter. I will not say that. Yeah, I, I, this is the thing. I, I could never say that because crazy things happen. Not crazy things. I mean, it's, yeah, crazy things happen. But, you know, it, it, it his the door is not shut. I mean, first off, he's taking that first step by getting drafted. In the fourth round, Curtis, like that's the thing with me is like when they draft him in the fourth round, dang, like they think very highly of Stetson. And if you look at the roster right now, they don't have an obvious backup to Stafford. Like who, like Stafford has so many years left, right? And there's talk he might he might retire after this year, after last year. So if Stafford you know moves on in a year or two. And and maybe they bottom out and they they draft early in the draft and they pick one of these hot shot first round quarterbacks, maybe. But is it crazy to think st- they might be grooming Stetson to have a shot to win that job? No, it's not crazy. Um, I mean, Sean McVay, too, the guy, the, if anyone can make it happen with Stetson, I do believe it is Sean McVay at the same time. Like he's a creative, 
very creative person. That's what I'm saying. Like when, when it's Sean McVay, who has the reputation as an offensive genius that he has, is the guy that is enamored with Stetson Bennett. Because at least that's what the reports say, that the Rams were in love with this guy and they wanted him. And they're willing to draft him in the fourth round, which as high as I am on Stetson, that's higher than I thought he was going to go. Like when they drafted him, I was like, holy, what the, what just happened? Like I was over the moon, dude. I was pumped. Like that tells me like they see something more than Stetson than I think the average fan does. And that's not surprising because I mean, people had their agendas with Stetson and there's some people you'll never convince, you know, one way or the other. It's just, it's just how he, he was just one of those polarizing players. But I think Stetson's a really good quarterback. You said Bryce Younger's. I think we talked about this in the, during the season a little bit. Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. I'm not going to say, like, I'm just, I'm not going to say he isn't. But I also don't think, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't think there's a major gap between them. At least in college, there was not. Like, if you look at Bryce Young last year and Stetson last year, I do not think there was a major gap between those two players and how they played. I really don't. Stetson knows how to play football. He knows how to go through progressions. He knows how to read defenses. He's accurate. He's a much better arm. Everyone wants to say this dude has a noodle arm, like a pop gun arm. Get out of here with that. Get out of here. That Stetson can throw the football. He can make every single throw you need to make in the NFL. Does he have Matthew Stafford caliber arm? No, he does not. But Stetson can do everything you need an NFL quarterback to do. The only thing you look at is like his size, right? Yeah. I mean, realistically. And, and that's been mitigated. I mean, back you know, 10, 15 years ago, he would have never really gotten a shot. But when you look at guys like Kyler Murray and Bryce Young now getting shots to start and be franchise quarterbacks, that's not going to be counted against Stetson anymore. Like if he can go out there and prove that he can play, he's a small dude. I understand that. That's why I say it's more likely than not that he's just a, that he's just a backup. But I'm also not going to close the door on him potentially finding a way to start for the Rams or some other team. Like and not just like as a spot starter. I mean, as like the guy. I don't. I don't think it's crazy to think that there's a there's a chance there. I know some of you are shaking your heads and you're shouting at the your phone or wherever you're listening right now. But I I, I I'm just never going to count him out, man. I'm absolutely never going to count Stetson Bennett out. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Okay, Curtis, so we've run through the big names, but we've got a couple more Georgia players to run through here that were also drafted over the weekend. So we got Chris Smith that went to the Raiders, won the fifth round, I think. Uh, Robert Beal to the 49ers. McClendon, War McClendon to the Los Angeles Rams. And then Kenny McIntosh to the Seahawks in the seventh round. Of those four late-round picks, Curtis, who has the best NFL career? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go War McClendon. Um, and the reason I go there is the Rams have gotten a little bit older, especially on the offensive line. 
um, ever since they won it, you know, um, I, I think it's having uh, their entire roster has gotten old to be honest. Yeah. And I can't even remember, but the one guy retired as soon as the game, as soon as they won the championship. Oh, what's where, what's, uh, what's, uh, Andrew, yeah, Whitsworth or something. I yeah. Think, or ball dude with the beard. Andrew Whitworth or something. Whitworth. There we go. Um, but people like that, you know, they've gotten really old and lost some players, especially that position. Um, so I, I think that, you know, Warren McClendon, especially at a right tackle, I think is where his future is. But I think that he could have a very long and prosperous future at that position because, you know, we talked about during the season. Yes, he wasn't Amarius Mims, but Amarius Mims is, was built, you know, <laughs> built different. I mean, he, yes, he yeah. was never intended to forever be in the shadow of Warren McClendon, but that still doesn't mean that Warren McClendon isn't a good tackle. Right. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I look at Kenny McIntosh. The reason I don't go with him is because they have Kenneth Walker. Um but he's a different back. Like Kenneth Walker is, is not a three down back. And they also not, drafted Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Charbonnet is much closer to what Kenneth Walker is than what kick because Kenny can be that versatile guy as a third down back. See, I thought I thought Kenneth Walker was better as a receiver. I may not have I, I mean he's not terrible, but he's he's not he's he doesn't bring he's not Kenny. I mean Kenny brings. could Kenny could be a slot receiver realistically, like he's that talented he could, yeah. as a pass catcher. Um, I think Kenny's going to have a nice, I think he's going to carve out a nice little career for himself. I, I, do, I do agree. I don't see Kenny being a, I mean, a, I could the be shelf wrong. life of an NFL running back is just typically, no, so but I, I could see him being around the league for a little while with his role, especially in the past, you know, out of the backfield and things like that. Um, Robert Beal's a toss up, um, you know, I mean, especially the 49ers have such a great defense. It just really becomes, can you get the opportunity to get in there? Beal is is as solid as they come, but that's what Beal is. Like the ceiling yeah. isn't there for him. He's a really high floor and a lower ceiling. He, he's going to be solid for them. I just don't know if he'll ever be like a big time star yeah. for San Francisco. Yeah, kind of like how Jordan, um, oh, Jordan Jenkins ultimately ended up being. In oh the, yeah, for the for the Giants for or for the Jets for a while. Yeah, Jets and the Texans. You know, yeah. he was solid. He was never. Um, yeah, not Justin not a Houston. dynamic player, but like a good yeah. locker room dude. But really he was around. He stayed in the league and kept getting that check. Yeah, That's absolutely. You need guys like that. You got to have those bodies. And then who was he's the guy that can play special teams too? Who was the fourth guy? My mind went blank. Um, Chris Smith. Chris Smith. Um, you know, Chris Smith. I just he. Just limited when it comes to certain hurdles like size and strength and things that I think will affect him in the NFL when every receiver and tight ends and everything are a lot bigger. Um, But the guy is smart. He's a leader and he knows he, you know, is very polished in what he does. So I'm not going to say he can't do it. Um, But if I just rank them in order, I would probably go Warren McClendon, Kenny Mack, Beal, and then Chris Smith. I love Chris Smith, man. Um, he's a guy four six two forty. That's not great, right? But he's just a player, man. The dude is just an absolute player. He plays way faster than that. Like he you does, watch a guy play does. and fill the lane from that, that safety position. He plays way faster than that. He does. And so, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say that the the forty time doesn't matter, but playing speed matters more to me. And that dude plays way faster than that. He's physical. He's small. You're right. He's not the biggest dude, but it, it, that never mattered in college. I know the NFL is a different level. I get that, but this dude brought the wood, man. Like he is a physical thumping safety who will fill the lane with authority. He can, he's got, he's shown he can be a ball hawking safety. Now is he great in man coverage? No, he's he's not great there. But those are skills that maybe can be worked on a little bit. But I think Chris Smith can have a long career in the NFL, at least as a backup. I, I don't, I would not put it past him to find a way to start for the Raiders. I, just, I think he's that kind of guy. I think he's a dude that's going to go to work. 
put his head down. He's got, I think he's going to make that team because he's, he's got special teams value at the very least. And that, that definitely matters. So I, I, w- I agree with you that McClendon, because I think McClendon can be a starting tackle, right? Yeah, I don't think he's I a left too. tackle. I yeah, think- I think McClendon can be a starting right tackle. I really believe he can be. Uh, I think of those four, he's the safest bet to be a starter in the league. So you got to go with him, who's the best NFL career. For me, that's next, I, I would say it's between Kenny Mack and Chris Smith for me. Kenny Mack, I think he's going to have a really, like I said, he's going to cover a really nice career for himself as a, at the very least as a third down back. I think he can be more than that, but I think at the very least he can have that, he can fill that role. I I, I do believe in Chris Smith. It's not like Stetson, man. I'm just not going to count out Chris Smith. So I would go McClendon. I'm going to go Kenny Mack, Chris Smith, and Robert Beal. I think that's fair. I mean, to me, Robert Beal and Chris Smith were interchangeable. It doesn't make yeah. it any best, best but I, I mean, I can be convinced otherwise and I can also understand otherwise. Yeah, fair. All right, Kurt. So, um, Last thing, man, I want to get out of here on this. Just go quick rapid fire here with this. Just uh, let's go some UGA draft superlatives. So we're going to go first to start of all these guys, these 10 players that were drafted. Who's going to be the first guy to start a game in the NFL? Who's going to be the first to make the Pro Bowl? Who was the best value pick? And who is going to have the longest career? So, Kurt, who's going to be the first of the 10 to start a game in the NFL? First of the 10 to start a game in the NFL. Oh, shoot. Um, I'm going to go Broderick Jones. Okay. I had him. He was second on my list. And we didn't even really talk about Broderick. By the way, he's also with the Steelers. So another check mark for the Steelers and why I'm rooting for them as well. So I guess they're going to be my AFC team and the Eagles will be my NFC team. We'll go with that. Okay. Explain Broderick for me. We didn't talk much about him. Um, I think just the, the I, from the, from what I've read, it looks like they have an immediate need for him. And I mean, he's so versatile, he can play either tackle position, which is what especially gets a young guy onto the field quicker when it comes to some of these tackles being drafted is the ability to go play right or left. Um, so I think that's going to give him the better opportunity to get out on the field more. I think that while Jalen uh, with Carter, I think, you know, one reason I think he's an easy pick, but the reason I didn't go with him is you look at Fletcher Cox and all these other weapons the Eagles have, there isn't as much as a need to get him on the field. Yeah, I I hear you on that. I think that I mean Fletcher Cox is there for my under look, I guys, you you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I am not like an NFL savant. I don't follow the NFL nearly as close as I do college. Like because I'm all Sunday I'm watching college games. I'll watch the Falcons a little bit. I don't watch a ton of NFL games. I might watch Monday Night Football a little bit. I watch the playoffs. Um, but from my understanding, just reading up on you know the Eagles and and their picks in the first round, obviously. Jalen, like they have a they have a spot open at tackle. I mean, Fletcher Cox is a stud, right? We know that, and he's going to start one of those spots. But that that other defense tackle spot is open. Maybe it's Jordan Davis, but I think Jalen Carter has a legitimate shot. I'm going to go Jalen Carter. I just think he's so good, Curtis. He's so good. I think maybe Broderick has a clear path to playing time. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. I don't think you're wrong at all. You're probably going to be right. But Jalen's just so good, and I think when he, if he comes, I, I think here's what what's going to happen with Jalen Carter. I don't think the work ethic focus kind of thing that people are talking about the past couple weeks is going to be an issue for him because he's heard about that for the past however many months, right? And I have to imagine he is going to be motivated to prove people wrong in that regard. And I think, again, having N'Kobe Dean there, having Nolan Smith there with him, having uh, Jordan Davis there, I think all those things are going to help him and and get the best out of Jalen Carter. And if we get the best version of Jalen Carter, I have a hard time believing he's not going to start. I really, I really, I really have a hard time, even like week one. So I'm going to go Jalen Carter, but you're, you might be right with Broderick Jones. All right. Who's going to be the first to make a pro bowl. Ooh, first to make a pro bowl. 
Um, I'm gonna go Jalen Carter. Yeah, I had to go Jalen Carter. If, if I said he's the best player in the draft, like how could I go off of him and not say he's the first one to make the Pro Bowl, right? Yeah, that's fair. You gotta go Jalen Carter. Best value pick. I think you could go a couple different directions with this one. I am going to go with Darnell Washington. Okay, explain that one. Um, just because I think realistically the guy was a borderline fringe top second round uh talent um that dropped. Um, you know, I, I have a, a guy who's number two, which I think you may go with. But to me, just the fact that he fell almost practically a round and a half of where he, I feel like he should have gone um, means that someone got a very valuable pick when they did take him. Yeah, when people are talking about you being a fringe first rounder and you drop to the third, yeah, that, there's a lot of value. That's a, good, that's a good call. Who was your second one, just curiously? Nolan Smith. Nolan, that's a great – yeah, I love Nolan. But just, as, as good a value as that is, I think there's better value. Mm-hmm. So we just got done – you just got done – talking about how you think Warren McClendon's going to be a starter for the Rams. If you can get a starting tackle, a premium position in the fifth round of the NFL draft, I mean, dude, the value on that is astronomical. That's crazy. So I, I'm going to go Warren McClendon here because I'm with you. I think Warren McClendon has a really good shot to start for the Rams. I do. Maybe not right away, but you know, give him a year or two. I, I think he has a legitimate shot to be a starter, a long-term starter for the Rams at tackle. And again, if you can get a tackle in the fifth round, Dude, you 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 did something, man. Like that, that's a big time pickup. Big time pickup. So I'm gonna go McClendon there. Kenny Max, another one, like seventh round, a guy that I think can be in the league for a while in that third round role. I think that's there's a lot of value there. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier Jalen Carter getting the best player in the draft at number nine. I think there's a lot of value there, but uh it's be a little different. And let's go warm McClendon there. All right, last one here, Curtis. Of the 10 draft picks, who do you think is going to have the longest career in the NFL? Ooh, um, longest career in the NFL. I'm going to go with Broderick Jones. Um, you know, you got to think of just the position he plays. I think tackle um, will give him the best chance to stay on, stay in the field or stay in the league, I guess is best. Damn it. You stole mine. That was where I was going to go. Cause I, for the exact same reasons you said, I, mean, I think he's going to start at tackle. One of the tackles for, for the Steelers and playing that position, that's a position that you can start for a long time. I mean, like, like we talked about Andrew Whitworth for the Rams. Like he was like 40, right? Yeah, I mean, you've I mean, seen like, a lot of these teams have, like, old men. Yeah, because it's not as hard. On, I'm not saying it's not hard on your body. It's hard on your body. It's not as hard on your body. You're not taking, the like, the physical contact, the shots that a running back or a quarterback isn't taking. Quarterbacks don't take shots anymore. And defenders who are, like, throwing your body into people. Offensive tackles, you don't do that. It's still a physical position. Don't get me wrong. It's football, but it's not as physical as some of these other spots. So you have a – if you can stay healthy and not have the knee injuries – then which you know he doesn't really have an in, a, a history of then you can last for a long time so i, I agree with you there um since you went with broderick let me give you guys a different one longest career not named broderick jones oh man um longest career not named broderick jones you know what dude i'm gonna go i'm gonna go i'm gonna go jalen carter again i just think he's that good man man my number two was actually going to be keely ringo because if he does switch to safety you know that's a a, I thought about Keeley, but that's a big if for me. Yeah, because it, the position change has to start. Yeah, to I think happen. Kenny. I think Kenny could be in the argument there because, like, if you're a full, if you're a full time back, a three down back, and you're you're taking that beating in the NFL, like, yeah, your shelf life is you know what two and a half years. I think is the average career of an NFL running back. But if you're a third down guy, I mean, I know he's not Darren Sproles, but think about how long a guy like Darren Sproles played, Kirsten, and he was just a third down guy because you don't you don't take the shot as many shots, you know. So if Kenny can carve out a role in that in that way, like I think he has a chance to, I think he could be around for a while. Um, 
McClendon too. I mean, if you, you know what, let me go War McClendon, right? If we just got done saying War McClendon's going to be a starter, you took Roger Jones and for the same reasons, you know, talking about how tackle is not as hard in your body. Let's go War McClendon. Yeah. But I think Roger Jones is the right answer. All right, man. Got anything else on the draft? Any last thoughts? No, I think that's it. All right, guys. Well, I guess that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Once again, it was a hell of an NFL draft for our Georgia Bulldogs. And guys, I think this is just something that we're going to have to get used to. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm cool with that. This is certainly something that I can get used to. I got no problem with that. We will be back later on this week with part two of our post-spring mailbag. The questions keep coming in, so it looks like we might have to make it a three-parter. But that's all good. No worries, man. We got plenty of time this offseason to cover all these questions. And that's our goal, guys. Like, really, seriously, I'm trying to get to every single question that is sent in. If we don't get to it this week, we'll get to it next week. If we don't get to it next week, we'll get to it at some point this offseason. I promise. That's my goal. That's my mission. We get a lot of questions. But I really do want to make sure that we get to every single one of them that is sent in. You guys deserve that. We appreciate your support. And we want to make sure to return that favor by uh, by giving you a voice here on this podcast. So we'll have some fun with that later on this week. And who knows? If you guys are lucky, we might even be able to work in a bonus Georgia tennis postseason preview episode, which is very near and dear to my heart and very near and dear to Charlie's heart because postseason tennis starts this weekend, guys. We will be hosting the first and second round of both the men's and women's tennis tournaments here in Athens. We'll be hosting a regional. The selection show is actually Monday night, both selection shows for the men's and women's side. So I will be tuned in very closely to that. And if we can carve out some time, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to jump on here and do at least a quick postseason tennis preview episode for you guys. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. We're out of here today. We'll be back later on the week. And as always, go dogs.